0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
1: down the stretch. They come Wednesday night was game number 100 for the Mets, and it was memorable for all the right reasons. The Mets winning was some deep cuts from their album, not DeGrom, not Lindor. They're both still on the shelf, but give it up for Tyler McGill and Brandon Drury, And also a game saving defensive play from Michael Conforto. A full explanation to follow after the song. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing a while ago. Here's brewing now, here's Josh Lewin, a down. Well, sometimes you gotta wear your third best pair of jeans or pull that shirt from way back in the closet out. Uh, the Mets pulled out Brandon Drury in the bottom of the seventh inning. They won a big ball game Wednesday night, 2-1 to one the final. It stayed 2-1 to one at the end thanks to a great throw from right field from Michael Conforto. Josh Lewin with you on the pod with a quick turnaround since it is a day game today. A recap from Wednesday night. Some love for the 6'7 rookie Tyler McGill. Some Mets Hall of Fame talk and some trade talk as well. We mentioned game number 100 for the Mets. Atlanta playing game 102, trying to even its record at 51-51. Ten times this season they've had a chance to win a game to get them to 500. Nine of ten times they have lost. Well, the Mets trying to get to 54-46. and 46. Reopen a five-game lead on the Tomahawk Choppers, and hey, more roster moves before the game. Imagine that. Spin the wheel, here we go. A chance to see the 56th Med of the year, possibly, which would tie a franchise record with still 62 games to go. Ladies and gentlemen, Akeem Bostic and his 6'5 frame and 6'2 ERA up from AAA. Quite a journey for the former second-round pick of the Rangers eight years back. Independent ball last year, 6-plus ERA for that struggling Syracuse team this year. Yesterday was his lucky day. The need arose and his number was called. Riddle me this. If you went up to a casual baseball fan and asked him which of the following are current New York Mets and which are characters on Better Call Saul, how do you think that fan would do? Akeem Bostic, Anthony Bonda, Jensny Diaz, Chuck McGill, Hank Schrader, Nacho Vargas. The first three are Mets, the last three are on the TV show. Get well soon. Bob Odenkirk, by the way. Uh, One of the other names that no one really knew until recently, Tyler McGill, who was pitching on his birthday yesterday and with the best ERA of any major league starter in the month of July. Tyler McGill, not Jared Eikhoff on the mound. Can we real quick pour one out for poor Jared, the the human tetherball? In the last four weeks, Eikhoff has been designated for assignment, cleared waivers. Elected to become a free agent, signed with the Mets a second time, been called back up, been designated for assignment again, cleared waivers again, elected to become a free agent again, signed with the Mets for a third time, then designated for assignment once more. I get vertigo just thinking about all that. But uh, McGill gets the call on this one on his 26th birthday, and already seven games into his career, the 14th best war of any player ever born on July 28th. Just throwing that one out there. The guys ahead of him that you've heard of would be Walker Bueller and Vita Blue. Yes, the Vita Blue who broke in as a teenager with the A's and pitched against the Mets in the 73 World Series. The year before that, Vita Blue had been a holdout, wanting $2,000 more from Charlie Finley. He took a job selling toilet seats. I swear to God, till he got that $2,000 raise. Can we maybe pass the hat for Tyler McGill? Making Major League Minimum, he has saved the Mets butt. He'd be up against Max Freed in this one. Max Freed, a man who, if you rearrange the letters in his name, it comes out to fixed arm. And I'm throwing that out there for Jacob deGrom, hoping that that kind of sticks. DeGrom is still out. The Mets still looking to add some rotation pieces. Uh, McGill standing toe-to-toe with the curveballing Californian, Mr. Freed. Actually, McGill and Freed grew up not far from each other. One from Long Beach, one from L.A., uh, the Mets, the worst team in the majors against the curveball, just uh, 267 slugging percentage coming in, so not a great matchup against Freed. McGill's weapon of choice is a slider. Into Wednesday night, opponents were 4 for 34 on that pitch, and he threw it beautifully once again. Mets with a shot to grab the lead on Freed in the bottom of the third. Jonathan VR singled, was then picked off. He really should cut that out. Uh, Pilar struck out, but McGill singled to right. Happy birthday to you. Nimmo walked to set up the polar bear and squirrel in that order. Alonzo was singled the other way, so now how about Jeff McNeil? Lefty lefty freed from the belt his pitch. McNeil hits a ground ball, base hit into left field. McGill scores around third, Nemo's being held. The throw comes in from El Monte pretty quickly, but Jeff McNeil has a 15-game hitting streak, and the Mets have a 1-0 lead. Wayne Randazzo with the call on WCBS. Two straight Mets singles to the opposite field and a 15-game hitting streak for McNeil, halfway to the Mets' record. McNeil since July 1st. He has gone from 226 to 276 for a batting average. Dude is raking right now, fatigued leg or not. McGill, uh, three of his seven big league starts now have been against Atlanta, and overall now you're looking at seven starts along. Uh, it's just getting better and better. First pitch strikes to 15 of the first 19 batters he faced in this one. He had the shutout through five. That made 19 straight scoreless innings for a guy who started his season in Binghamton. Mentioned his slider earlier. He had a really good changeup last night, too. But alas, McGill approaching his hundredth pitch of the night, Austin Riley got him. Six of Riley's 20 home runs this year now against the Mets. He's got three in the last two nights. So a shame that McGill couldn't stick the landing. But hey, five and a third innings of five hit, one run ball. Riley, you might remember, hit one 460 feet at City Field last year off Degrom. Grom. Uh, this year somehow had no extra base hits his first 18 games of the season, but now Riley is rolling. He's the guy that had the hit that chased McGill, made it one-to-one. So, uh, the next scoring would be in the bottom of the seventh. The newest pinch-hit hero for the Mets. Maybe more unlikely than when Giordani Valdez-Spin was in that role back in 2012. The well-traveled, locked-in, pride of Grants Pass Oregon, Brandon Drury. The 1-0, Drury hits one in the air, deep to left field! This one's gonna go! Home run, Brandon Drury! He does it again off the bench. And this time, it's a tie-breaking homer. Drury's third pinch-hit home run. And the Mets have taken a 2-1 lead here in the seventh. A star is born. This is Courtney Cox being pulled up on stage by Springsteen here. Brandon Drury, the miracle Met. And Wayne Randazzo again had the call on WCBS. Three pinch-hit homers from Drury who until this year had never had a pinch-hit home run in the majors got three and 15 at bats as a met drury is six for six in july and is a pinch hitter overall this year he's 10 for 19 it is not easy to say brandon drury Uh, it reminds me of the old bit on 30 rock when they ran out that pilot for a show called rural Drur, and and i loved when the yankees had drury in their lineup because they had you betcha judge and drury all i know is i'm glad this guy is a met Made it 2-1 New York into the eighth. The Braves will get runners at second and third off Aaron Loop, one out. The Mets decided to pitch to the red-hot Austin Riley. Familia jumped ahead of him one and two, just blasted him away with a dive-bombing sinker. Inning was left to Dansby Swanson, a guy who always seems to get clutch hits for Atlanta. Last year was the best in baseball against relief pitchers. He grounds out to VR at short. Nice pick by Alonzo at first. And the Mets are still up 2-1, a tiptoe through the minefield for Familia. Much appreciated by Loop, for sure. Edwin Diaz on for the ninth. He's been throwing that buggy whip slider of late to go with some high-octane cheese. But Abraham Almonte, a ringing double on a slider that stayed up. Tying man in scoring position, nobody out. Guillermo Heredia flies to right. Then Irie Adrianza to the plate. 1-0. Now the pitch. Swing and a liner to right. That's a base hit. Charged by Conforto. Almonte hits 30. He's coming home. Conforto's throw to the plate. The slide. He is out at the plate. Following down to second is Adrianza. But Michael Conforto has thrown out. Abraham Almonte at home plate trying to tie the game. Edwin Diaz takes off his cap and salutes Conforto. The game-saving bullet right into the mid of McCann. Fourth outfield assist of the year. And uh, no doubt the biggest for Conforto. Still got to get Kung Fu Panda Pablo Sandoval off the bench, slumping miserably of late. Diaz gets ahead of him one and two. Sandoval takes it to three and two. Fouls a couple off, but then flies out to left. <sighs> Save number 23 for Diaz. Atlanta ends the night one for ten with runners in scoring position. These guys are gonna kill us before this year is done. After the game, we heard from among others. Michael Conforto. The man who made the great throw that kept the Mets in front, Michael Conforto standing by with Eddie C. All right, thanks very much, Howie. Great throw, what more can I say uh, than that? That was uh, a tremendous throw, Mike. And take me through the play, obviously off the bat, you know that they're gonna send the runner, so uh, tell me what you're trying to do at that point in time. Uh,
0: I mean, like I was saying before, just just try to make sure I get my legs under me, keep my shoulder in there. Uh, all the things that we work on in practice, um, you know, in that situation, you got to air it out, try to hit them on the fly, uh, you know, to keep that time run off the board and, um, you know, I, like I said before, I mean, I, when you're out there in these situations, you run the plays that can happen in your head and, and I saw that play happening and, and there you go, you execute.
1: Really big win for the Mets to reestablish that five game lead on Atlanta, a team they'll see today, but then not again until the last three games of the year. Also speaking to the media afterwards, expert button pusher and manager Luis Rojas. Hey, Luis. Uh, you know, first of all, just in the dugout, what is your reaction as that plays unfolding and, and Conforto unleashes that throw?
0: Oh yes, it was exciting. I thought it was a good shot with the ball hit. Uh, I know they, there was a plus runner at second base, but how the ball was hit uh, and how Conforto was charging it, the timing on the transfer, like everything was uh, unfolding as if it was going to be close at home plate and the. The throw, I mean, you can't, you can't make a better throw than that one. Uh, just in target uh, and for McCann to catch the throw and apply the tag that he did to to uh, to complete the play. I mean, it was just a great all-around play uh, on both ends, but, you know, forward of course. I mean, he, he, he's the one that set the tone with the timing, charging the ball and then getting rid of it and the perfect throw. So unbelievable play. Uh, Michael takes uh, his defense... Uh, uh, very seriously every day. He goes out there to write uh, and gets his reads and gets prepared to play defense. And if there's some, a day that he's not going to contribute offensively, you're going to have the same Michael playing defense. He, he separates the, the offense from defense very well.
1: Brandon Drury is now 7 for 15 coming off the bench with, with three home runs. What is it about him? What have you seen that you know, allows him to be that successful in, in a very difficult role?
0: Well, first first of all, I think he was a great acquisition in the, in the offseason um, um, by our front office because they believed that he was going to be doing what he's doing right now. Uh, this guy's got a lot of the bats at the big league level in his career and uh, we felt that he's going to be one of those right, big right-handed bats either um, off the bench or if we were in need, uh, running into a situation like we'd run uh, to in a, co- a couple of times. So. Uh, he went, through, he went through some struggles to go to get to this point. And I think uh, he was very diligent to work hard. And I want to give credit to him, of course, before everything, because he, this kid has been option a few times. And uh, he goes down to Syracuse and he works really hard. And all our coaching staff in Syracuse, Shaq Cruder, our manager, Luis Rivera, one of our, one of our coaches down there, and uh, Joel Chimelis, who's our hitting coach down there. Those guys have worked really hard with every single player that gets option there and then comes back to help like Drury and Blankenhorn. But, you know, with Drury specifically, um, I think he's put a lot of work there to, to be uh, how he is right now. And then he came back up and he's immediately delivering for us in the, every time we, we, uh, we put him in the game. So, you know, facing a tough pitcher like Max Frieda was cruising against us, he's having a pitch, he got it, he didn't miss it. So, you know, he's worked really hard to be like, uh, like he is right now.
1: Thank you, Skipper. Final score once again, 2-1 to one Mets. And as the trade deadline closes in, uh, the Mets looking to fortify that pitching staff. Remember the, the 07 Mets and their collapse was all about the lack of depth in their rotation. That rotation ZRA in September was 552, with rookies like Mike Pelfrey and Philip Humber trying to hold off the Phillies, and it didn't work. So I still say getting one or two more starters, veteran starters, to stuff in the backpack is a top job here. And a righty bat if you can, for sure. The Mets still not hitting lefty starters all that much. They're 11-19 for the year against lefty starters, averaging 2.6 runs a game. Game started by righties. Mets are 43-26. and They're averaging 4.5 runs a game. But anyway, you'll, you'll take that win from Wednesday night. There's a lot of weird stuff going on in baseball anyway. I mean, the Tigers won a game yesterday 17-14 despite being out homered 7-0. But we look ahead. The game today, it's a 12-10 first pitch. Taiwan Walker against Drew Smiley. Walker, last time out, against Toronto, his former club, allowed six runs in four innings. It was a second second straight start, allowing six runs. So hopefully he gets to turn that sucker around. Let's look past the Thursday game. Let's go to Friday. Back in black, baby. The Mets last wore a home black jersey in July of 2012 during an 8-5 loss to the Dodgers. Memorable Mets games in black jerseys. Well, Bobby Valentine returning to the dugout with the the fake mustache. Uh, Robin Ventura's game-ending Grand Slam single in Game 5. David Wright's first Major League home run against the Expos around this time of year in 04. Mets will be going to black jerseys as well in August against the Dodgers and against Washington. In September against the Yankees and the Phillies. But if you're coming out Friday... Wear some black yourself, and the first 12,000 fans get a free Francisco Lindor black jersey t-shirt. You're welcome. A few years ago, uh, Paul Lucas of the great website UniWatch, he discussed the inspiration for the black look with the designer of that look, Bob Halfacre, who said at the time, you know, I've only been in New York three or four times ever, but what I remember is the shadows. You have all these skyscrapers, so everything has shadows, a city of shadows. So uh, I like the the drop shadow to add a bit of depth, that's what he brought forward. Pete Alonzo loves it. A lot of Met fans, obviously, from a certain era love it. So it's back. Black is back on Friday night. And Carlos Carrasco will finally make his Mets debut. If Carrasco is anything like the pitcher he was with Cleveland in 2020, the one with the 2.91 ERA, he's a game changer. Rojas has said that funky motion makes him a real pest to opposing hitters. James McCann has said that he was probably the guy he least liked facing when McCann was with the White Sox. So I don't know what we're going to get out of Carrasco. His best season was 2017, 18-6, a 3.3 ERA, finished fourth in the Cy Young voting. But the guy's been through so much since then. Here's hoping it all goes well in what will maybe be a four-inning debut as he eases back into the pool. Saturday night, the Mets' new Hall of Fame class gets inducted before the game. We talked a bit on the pod yesterday about the pitchers going in, John Matlack and Ron Darling. Today we focus on Edgardo Alfonso, near the top of the Mets all-time roster alphabetically, but also near the top in terms of fondness for a player. He was shuttled between second and third in his time as a Met. Uh, you look to the 99 season, 304 batting average, 108 runs batted in. He had a six-for-six, 6 runs scored game in Houston. Wore that number 13 very well. Wore it to honor Davy Concepcion, a fellow Venezuelan. Always getting a big hit to... Prolong a rally, it seemed like. That's what I remember about Fonzie. Uh, 1999 hit the early home run in the play-in game against Cincinnati, so maybe it's appropriate that the Reds are in town. Then he had that ninth inning grand slam the next night in game one of the NLCS in Phoenix. He only made one all-star team. He was never the best player on any of the Mets teams he was on, but he was probably the most respected, despite the, uh, the Bart Simpson doll that he kept in his locker. The Mets have usually had Hart instead of Homer's Uh, when you talk about their second base archetype, I mean, you go back to Boswell and Backman or whatever. uh, I think with Alfonso, he was a rare Met second baseman who was gritty and powerful. I think McNeil shows a little bit of that too. Alfonso lived in Flushing, was really never recognized on the street. Half the time, reporters spelled his name with an S instead of a Z. He never complained. Eventually done in by back problems, but he has earned his way into the Mets Hall of Fame along with Darling and Matlack. So that's it for the Wednesday Morning Pod. Many thanks to the Mets in the Morning House Band. Let's introduce them on keyboards. Doug Henry, slapping the bass. It is Mike DeJean. The horn section, Josias Manzanillo. And on drums, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Jason Vargas. Your final once again on Wednesday night from Citi Field. Epic win for the Mets in game number 100. It was the Mets 2 and the Braves 1.